Welcome to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. We're doing a really, really, really long podcast. Just kidding. It's going to be a 10-part series where we go over the top 100 basketball players of all time. And essentially within five years, this list will be irrelevant. And then within 10 years, it'll be more irrelevant. And then within 20 years, it'll be super irrelevant because there'll be so many more people to add. But right now, this snapshot in time. Yeah, that's always the 100 players. And today we got Steven Sosa joining us to do it. Hello. Um, so this was not, I just want to do a caveat. Like, I think the first two episodes are going to be really fun. I think the ones in the middle are going to be a little less fun. And then the, which is probably not a great setup. And then the ones at the end are going to be a blast. Um, the reason that I say that is you get a lot of mediocrity in the middle, uh, yeah. not mediocrity. And then like with the top or sorry, like spots 100 to 80, I'm like trying to sneak in some yeah. of the players that are good right now that I'm like, I think they're going to be important. Cause the way that I viewed my 100 list is uh-huh. I've been looking at a lot of other people's top 100 players <clears throat> and essentially just deleting the people I've never heard of before, or I'm unfamiliar with because my goal is the story of the NBA will be written by these players. So I feel that there's a like a, so for example, Paul Westfall, um, Paul Westfall is the example of like the player coach he coached and was also a player. And I think that's why he gets a little more love than he deserves as a player. Looked at his stats, looked at everything. I'm like, I don't know why he's on so many people's list considering he was a five-time all-star he was an NBA champion, like nothing insane there. So yeah, he quickly as came a off coach, my list. As a coach, he had a decent amount of success too. Yeah, but the, like because this is a 100 all-time players list, right, right, I'm not, right, I'm not right. going to. So for example, Lenny Wilkins, who's on a lot of people's lists, like he will make mine, but he is nowhere near as high as he is on anyone else's list. I went and looked at his stats. I'm like, is it because he won like a thousand plus games as a coach that everybody like loves him? Like he was good, but like the story of the NBA players is not really told that much by him. It's just that for a long time, he was the all time leader in assists too. So people made a big deal out of that. Yeah. Which is less uh, Stats become more and more impressive as time goes on because Whether they hold you have up. no competition. And then now, like, essentially, Lenny Wilkins gets beat by the next great assist man, Magic Johnson, and then no one really talks about him anymore because guess what? He had a record for a league that had been in existence for about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Um, it's like it's like the first the first inaugural year of anything. Everyone is a record holder. So <laughs> congrats. Right. Um so I just kind of tried to with my list, I tried to think of um like tried to write down, put down uh the the first people that popped in my head as like greats, you know. And um, uh, so it's in no particular order, but it's the top hundred because um, I don't like to to really uh, not really rank players greatness like that. I think that's kind of hard to know. It was really hard. So I just tried to think of a bunch of the greatest players I could think of. And I made my top 100 list. And I think uh my 90 to 100 is like i like the players i'm excited to talk about them so all right well let's hop into it i'll start off and we can just go back and forth i hope there's some crossover in oh, these, there uh, should be and, well, what uh, i mean by crossover is like in this like in each segment where so for 10 to 91, I hope we have at least one or two players that are similar there. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, I this is going to be a long of, podcast. <laughs> I have kind of a mix of uh, modern players and some really old school ones. So, All right, so here we go. I'm going to start off with an old school player who is on a bunch of lists really high uh, that I saw. And I was like, I don't know why why you're on any list if I've never really heard of you. (laughs) 
But um, because it, like I just want to make sure I'm doing right by the game, throwing David Bing <laughs> on there, the six foot three Detroit Piston from 1966 hey, to have, 1975. I have Dave Bing on my list. Is he in your uh, top? Uh, is he 191 or is he higher? He, he's 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 higher. Yeah, so I had a hard time doing it because of just... Well, like I said, I didn't really rank, you know, them okay. that much. Because I'm just looking at it, I'm like, I guess he's good. He won seven NBA All-Stars, won an All-Star Game MVP. If the second career highlight for you is won an All-Star Game MVP, not starting off great, um, and then just a couple also... All-NBA teams. Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, he also uh, is in the 20,000-point club, if I remember, right? 18,327 points. How much? 18,327. It must have been 20,000 assists or something. Oh, well, it's definitely not 20,000 assists because that would make him the all-time assist leader. Oh, shoot. I'm trying to – there was some uh, – I'm trying to maybe, find it for you. I don't. I maybe it's like combined playoffs and – or maybe I'm thinking of another player. Who knows? Anyways, I, I don't even want to spend too much time on him. Who's your uh, hundred? Who's <laughs> your number hundred? Okay, 100. but I just want to say about Dave Bing, he actually was really good and was one of Magic Johnson's favorite players. Um, and because Magic Johnson is from Michigan, and uh, you know saw a lot of Detroit Pistons games, and. Um, uh, he, uh, uh, Dave being when he played, he didn't have good eyesight and he didn't wear glasses on the court. So he, he could see the players, but they were really blurry for him. So he would see like white blurs and big white blurs and smaller white blurs. And then, you know, a, a different color. And like, so that's how he described it. So um sometimes he would pass uh, like certain players the ball and it looks like it it kind of doesn't look right like he passed it to him in a weird spot it's because he can't see who who the dang players are he's blind you know anyway. and so david being coming in on my list at spot 100 all right, who do, who I do you just have wanted next? to say something about him, you know. I appreciate. It. Well, I mean, you're you're gonna have more to say about him if he's in next week's list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then you want me to do start with number hundred, number hundred, Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo, he's higher on my list, so I won't talk too much about him, and I'll let you do your thing. Okay, Bob McAdoo. I just figured, like I said, I didn't really rank uh, the players that much. Um, I just kind of rapid fire tried to think of the best 100 players that I could think of. And uh, uh, Bob McAdoo, I, I figured, had to make the list because he was a guy who was um, ahead of his time as a player. He was six foot nine, and uh, as a player in the 70s um, into the 80s, but, you know, did, did most of his damage in the 70s, I think. Um, you know, what, he, he was one of the best players in the league in the 70s and then was one of the best bench players um, in the history of the league. Uh, coming off the bench for the Showtime Lakers in the 80s. The 80s, yeah. And um, and he uh, – but he was a 6'9 guy who was um, a big guy who could shoot. He was – he was so he was a big who could shoot and shoot well. Um, had a really great all-around game. But but everybody talks about how Magic is a, was a six nine guard who did all this stuff. Bob McAdoo was a dang big guy that like he was a center uh, at six nine that could shoot the ball and do all kinds of stuff, handle it, you know. So um, 
Bob McAdoo uh, was like watching Bob McAdoo uh, must have been a lot like watching, you know, um, getting a glimpse into the future. Because now there's like seven foot guys, six, ten guys that can shoot and handle it and all that. But Bob McAdoo was one of the first ones at his size that could do that stuff. And he was he was a very dominant player. He's a former league MVP. He's a former scoring champion. So uh, Bob McAdoo was incredible. And the reasons that Steven just said are the reasons that he's higher on my list compared to some of the other people. Though he was on the bench for those NBA championships, he has them. He The MVP was more important to me in putting him higher. Um, and then right but think about it they had a league mvp former league mvp and bob mcadoo coming off their bench like that's not fair you know how they you know how they uh like give like the kevin durant steph curry like oh two mvps playing together that's not fair it's like man it seems like they used to do this all the time right Uh, so my number 99 and once again this is 100 for one reason the 2000 NBA slam dunk contest. You cannot tell the history of the league without the 2000 slam dunk contest. Perhaps one of the best ever. If you go back and watch it, not that impressive of dunks, but I remember how pumped I was when Vince Carter did every single dunk that he did. But once again, look, comparing it to like some of the stuff that Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine did in their recent dunk contests, like, Vince Carter is quite pedestrian, but you can't tell the story of the league without that dunk contest. Vince Carter, number 99. Well, I would argue that Vince Carter is the best dunker that the game has ever seen. Like in-game dunker? or what? Well, do you dunker, period. He was doing dunks in that 2000 dunk contest that nobody had ever done before. I know, but like that's what's crazy about You know how they talk about that's why the dunk contest sucked this year? Like... All you have to do is watch won- Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon's dunk contest. And then immediately after watch the 2001, you will be very underwhelmed by the dunks that Vince Carter did. I remember in the time how awesome they were. I'm not trying to like, yeah, he's at, he's number 99 on my list, but like he, and the ease with which he dunked in game or in the dunk contest, like he wasn't missing dunks. He was doing high degree of difficulty dunks with ease. Like he dunked with ease, more ease than I have ever seen somebody dunk with. Also his career span. I think he is kind of like the Methuselah of basketball in the sense he played from late nineties all the way through to 2020. Was it like, that's a long career, man. Good for him. Yeah. He played in four different decades. It's insane, man. Good for him. Uh, but that's my number 99. Who's your 99? Okay, my 99 is somebody really a lot more modern, but uh, I'm just guessing on this that this guy is going to be on this list. Uh, I'm kind of doing what they did with Shaq on the top 50 greatest players of all time list when they made that list. Um, they kind of guessed that Shaq was going to be one of the all-time greats, Cause it was, you know, 96 Shaq hadn't done that much, but they kind of guessed Yep. and they were right. Well, this guy I have at 99 is John Morant. Ooh, he's also on my list, but higher. Yeah. Um, so I have John Morant. John Morant has serious game. I mean, can handle the ball, finishes well at the rim, gets into the paint really well. Um, and uh, uh, super athletic, great passer, great court vision. Um, doesn't really have I, – I, there's not a lot of shortcomings in this game, you know. So – and he's getting better from three. Um, John Morant is, is athletic, you know, um, runs really fast, can jump really high. Uh, and, uh, he's just, um, an electric player, you know, John Morant's my number 92. So I'll just say that because it's going to be in this uh, segment that we're talking about. 
Uh, the reason that I placed him here is exactly the same reason Steven said. I'm betting that he's going to be at the end of his career much higher on this list. But just based on what we've been able to see really the last two seasons, I, I think his rookie season, he was good. But like taking his team to the playoffs last year, granted, I know. And then winning game one in Utah. It yeah. just felt like a changing of the guard already. I know they end up losing that series, but it just felt like, oh, Utah's window is already closing. And John Morant's what, 22, 21? Like, watch out. And Memphis is, on, Memphis is on the rise as a team. Ja, just be careful. Don't get injured. And you are going to have a Hall of Fame career. 100%. Yeah. All right. My number 98. Also betting on success in the future, Trey Young. All right. Great shooter, fantastic ball handler. He's starting to find his way through the getting back to the free throw line and the change of the rule for less ticky tack fouls in terms of, right. of trying to draw those fouls. Um, right. not, He's always had a lot of skill, though. Uh, he, for how small he is, similar to like Jaw, that I have Jaw higher because I think Jaw's a true leader compared to Trey, and I think Jaw's going to have better sustain, sustained success over the course of his career. Yeah, but um, Trey Young, he shoots pretty pretty crazy. Although I was looking at some of like Trey's shooting stats, he's just a volume shooter. He's actually pretty bad at it. <laughs> not pretty bad. That's not fair. He's like he's he's good. He's a good shooter, but he's not an elite. No, he's not an shooter. elite shooter. Um, but I have him there just because I have a feeling just with the uh, level of confidence that he has, he's going to do some pretty great things. He's, he, he has supreme confidence. He has a lot of ability, you know, uh, like you said, listen off some of the things he could do, shoot the ball, handle it, um, finishes at the rim pretty well. Um, and uh, um, just is he puts up big numbers you know most of the time so i expect i expect him um to be to be in this top 100 list uh by the end of his career definitely yeah uh who do you have at number 98 funny enough i didn't think to put him on my list but that's a, that's a good one um okay 98 i have rudy gobert Wow. Okay. All right. Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year, so he's already one of the best, one of the greatest defensive players who ever played the game. Um, uh, and uh, just a great defensive big man, great defensive center, um, uh, one of the best shot blockers ever played the game, Great rebounder, um, not a very good scorer if he can't get rebounds, but um, he's super dominant, you know, on defense and on the boards. And plus, he can catch lobs, he can run the floor. So, Gobert is a hell of a player. So, I have him at 98. Only reason that you will not find him on my list is because he's playing with who I feel like I feel like they should both be. Hall of Famers, like like just the way they play, especially during the regular season, so electric and fun to watch with Donovan Mitchell. But the lack of success they've seen in the playoffs, losing in the second round, that shouldn't happen with an amazing defender like Gobert, an amazing offensive threat like Donovan Mitchell, and all of the great pieces that they have around them. Maybe that's Quinn Snyder, not game planning, but that's the only reason I don't have him on the list is the lack of playoff success like literally i just need you guys to get to the western conference finals and i'm feeling real good about them there's every single year i have high hopes for them every single almost every single year i think they're a contender because they're so good defensively and then they have uh donovan mitchell you know who is a a great offensive weapon um and uh you know can get buckets can pass, can handle the ball, can do a lot of things uh, um, on both sides of the floor, but um, particularly on offense, he hits big shots too. And and every single year, they disappoint me, you know? Yeah. But you know, Gobert, oh. Yeah, go ahead. But Gobert is one of the greatest defensive players ever, so I have him on here. 
what's really funny is I'm making an audible right now. And let me just check really quick to make sure I can make this audible. Good. So I had Chris Mullen at mm-hmm. spot 97. Yeah. But we're deleting Chris Mullen. And you know who I'm going to start uh, hedging my bet against is the counterpart we were just talking about, Donovan Mitchell. Whether oh. it's with the Jazz or not, I think Donovan Donovan Mitchell like already has like a better uh, resume than Chris Mullen does. That's why I made this. Yeah, Donovan right Mitchell is like a million times better as a uh, an athlete. At least you know he's so. He's apologies to Chris Mullen. You're no longer here. He has three NBA All Stars um, appearances. Chris Mullen has five in his entire career, and then um, he did win the Slam Dunk Championship. So I'm just betting that. Donovan Mitchell will have a better career than Chris Mullen. I'm very confident in that. And you know what? He's awesome to watch. He is the alpha who can take over games. And I don't know. Essentially, my entire top 10 is all of the upcoming talent with a couple old guys mixed in there. So Donovan Mitchell, number 97 for me. Chris Mullen, see you later. Hit the road, Jack. Okay. So now we're at my 97, right? Correct. Okay, uh, my 97, I have Tony Kukoc. Ooh, okay. And okay. I, I have always felt, since I have watched some old games of Tony Kukoc, and, uh, you know, I have a good, very good idea of how he played, um, he, he um, is super underrated. Um, as, as I, I think he's one of the all time greats. I put him in, uh, the discussion as one of the all time greats. Um, is this me- just really quick. Can I ask the question to make sure we're both doing our list the same? Is this because of success in Europe as well? Or are you primarily looking at his NBA career? I'm primarily looking at his NBA okay. career. Um, he, uh, he had a bad experience in the Olympics um, in 92 when Jordan and Pippen decided they were going to uh, team up. On a, yeah. They were going to uh, gang up on him defensively because he was Jerry Krause's guy. You know, Jerry Krause was planning on uh, drafting him for a long time, but they and they held uh Tony Kukos to zero points and he did not do very well. And he's a great player. He was just being hounded by Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan in 92, you know. Sure. So um uh but he did turn out to be a great player in the NBA. So Jerry Krause was was right that he was gonna be a great player. Um on just about any other team at uh, you know in the 90s. Um, I think he, he could have been a starter, um, but on the Bulls, uh, you know, he, he often wasn't a starter, um, but he's, he was very skilled. I'd say if you're going to, if I was to describe his game, I would say, think Lamar Odom in his prime, but with a great jumper. He was one of the best shooters in the league, uh, from three, from mid range, you know, he was, he was great, uh, shooting the ball from, from anywhere, just a great shooter, one of the all time best shooters ever. And, um, could, could rebound the ball. Well, great, great all around player. Um, great passer of the basketball could handle it uh could do a lot of things like that and um he was kind of a um a guy that uh was was kind of like a lot like Lamar Odom except if Lamar Odom was a better shooter uh like funny Steven I think whenever you're And I could be wrong here. I, I the fact that you just spent three like the mo, the person you've talked about the most so far is Tony Kukoc of your of all the players. I I almost feel like that's indicative of he's shouldn't be on this list because you're trying real hard to try to convince us 
Well, all I, it, but all I have to do is pull up his basketball reference page, and I don't think you can include him on your top. I mean, obviously, you can do whatever you want, but like, uh, right, this dude I, does not have great stats. Like, the only thing that looks good is when he was playing with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. His first two years were pretty good, too. Um, I thought, I, I think uh, he could have been, he could have started on just about any team. I mean, he had the opportunity to own that. I mean, but injury, it seems like just based on these game played numbers I'm seeing seem to be the issue um, because yeah. obviously he was the focal point in 98, 99 after Scotty and Michael left and he did well. He averaged 18 points a game back to back seasons, but as we know, nothing happened there. <laughs> I have a, I have a story I thought was pretty funny that Steve Kerr told on uh, the show open court about Tony Kukoc. He said that uh, he was like hanging out with Tony Kukoc uh, one time and he asked him what he did before a game and Kukoc described his ritual to him. And apparently he used to eat a big meal, you know, uh, like a giant meal. And then he said, then I take big shit and get ready for the game. (laughs) (laughs) And I was I, I was I was like, oh, my God. I just want to apologize to all of our listeners really quick that we just spent five minutes talking about Tony Kukoc. <laughs> I, I don't apologize. Tony Kukoc was, was actually a, a very gifted player. Apologies to Vince Carter, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell on my list and uh, John Morant. <laughs> um, my number, my number 96, this player has the potential to jump really, really high on the list. Mm-hmm. And I think has the potential to drop out of the top 100. Um, great stats. He's won an NBA championship. He's made, I believe, eight all-star games. Uh, still playing right now, Anthony Davis. Now, this is going to be very dependent on how well <laughs> he uh, can manage his health moving forward and maybe getting out of the situation he's currently in. But, man. All defensive teams, four times. All NBA first team, four times. He's got a really great resume. He is just a couple more championships away from jumping on this list and just being dominant for a couple of years of like moving all the way up into like the top 40s and 50s for me. But Anthony Davis spot 96 right now because I'm not entirely sure where you're going. Okay. Uh, Anthony Davis is 96. Okay. Uh, you might end up being, you know, that might end up being pretty accurate, uh, by the time his career is over. Um, it's crazy. He made the NBA's top 75 and I'm just like, why is this like recent? It must be the, I mean, I know he has a pretty decent resume, but this must be the betting on Shaq type thing because until he got to LA, he was a perennial loser, uh, at new Orleans. Yeah. But like he has all these great stats that go with it, but um, we'll right. see what happens. I think there's a lot of upside for Anthony Davis. He just has to play. He just has um, recurring injury issues that he's had almost his entire career. But when he's actually able to play most of the time, he's really good. I'll tell you what, those bubble playoffs were great basketball from him. Yeah. Um, uh you want me to name my yeah, 96? who's your 96? My 96 is Horace Grant. Ooh, I like what you're doing, Steven. You're saying a lot of people I would never put on. Uh, so I, I like it. Uh, why, why Horace Grant? Okay, Horace Grant, um, is was a great defensive player. Um, uh he was he and he and scotty pippen were were good friends when they played together on the bulls um just a you know little cool little piece of information there and they were like good buddies you know and uh uh horace grant could defend multiple positions um he was uh a a power forward that could stretch the floor, could knock down the mid-range jumper uh, really well. Um, uh, he's part of the reason, he's a big reason why the Magic beat the Bulls when Jordan came back 
uh, the first time uh, in the playoffs when the Magic eliminated the Bulls, you know? Yep. Uh, uh, Horace Grant kind of kicked their butts. Um, and uh, so he had an automatic mid-range jumper, great post-game, um, and great, he was a great rebounder. Of course, he always wore those those goggles, you know, um, and uh, he um, he was awesome. I'd say if I was to compare his game to anybody else, I'd say think like Al Horford in his prime, and that's pretty close to what Horace Grant was, but with less shooting range. So you're saying that Al Horford is going to be on your list? No, I'm just saying. In terms you just of said play, Al Horford in his prime. That's what Horace Grant terms, was. <laughs> in terms, in terms of play style. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like he, I'd say he's the closest thing to like a Horace Grant player. So I'm gonna do my counterpoint to Horace Grant being anywhere near this list. Never better than the third best player on any NBA championship team. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the Bulls, you had Scotty and you had Michael. With the Lakers, you had Kobe and Shaq. And I would also, I would honestly say he might not have even been the. No, he was definitely, he was definitely top three on those Jordan and then, Jordan Pippins. And then on the Magic, you had Shaq and Penny, and and then Horace. He was smart. He was smart in choosing teams after he left. Uh, after he left the Bulls. Right, but. He was a, he was uh, one of the best power forwards in the NBA for a little bit. Mm-hmm. My number number ninety five was difficult, and I almost think it's because I really like him as a person. Mm-hmm. Two time NBA champion, and really nothing else besides winning two championships with the Miami Heat in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. Christopher Bosch. Chris Bosch. Yep, Christopher Wesson Bosch, like. Nothing great. I just love how he how he he was great. Like I watched the uh, Kobe eighty one point game. Chris Bosh plays really well in that game. It's yeah. just very overshadowed by the fact that Kobe scored eighty one points. Yeah, but, and Kobe led them uh, to a W after them being down over twenty points. Yep, the reason that they were down twenty had a lot to do with Bosh playing really well, and then. Some people just didn't want to play defense on Kobe. And I don't know if that's Bosch's fault or not, but uh, he uh, he makes my list. He's one of those people who, if I do this list in five years, 10 years, I guarantee he'll be off of the list. Mm-hmm. Career cut short, but I just had to throw him on there just so, uh, you know, for... Right. I don't think you tell he the was- story of the NBA without Chris Bosch. That Miami Heat team, Wade, LeBron, who are also going to be on my list, obviously. Like, Chris Bosch yeah. was a really big part of that. Of course, of course. He was he was uh, the third best player on that team, I think. Yeah, so he's almost my uh, he's probably my Horace Grant, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking it's he's kind of kind of Horace Grant like. Yeah. All right, who's your uh, who's your ninety five? My ninety five is Zach Randolph. Ooh, yeah, I wouldn't have him on my list, but like that, this one I like. This one I really like. Cool, thank you. I really uh, like this one. Uh, Zach Randolph. Um, I remember when he uh, at the beginning of his career, he got in a lot of like trouble and stuff because he came when he came in, he was really like young, you know, and he he, he just kind of acted like a knucklehead when he was younger, but when he finally started to uh, mature, he, you could see the talent right away, but uh, when he started to mature, you know, as a, as a person started to get a little older, I think is when he took the next step as a player. And for a long time, he was one of the best power forwards in the NBA. He was part of that 2010, 11, uh, Memphis Grizzlies team that was the eight seed and knocked off the number one seed San Antonio Spurs. He was a big reason why 
the Spurs lost to the Grizzlies that year. Um, he was a great rebounder, great post-up player, um, had what they call an old man game. Uh, not super athletic, but really big and strong. Uh, great at boxing out. Uh, could shoot, could could face up and shoot the jumper uh, really well from mid-range. He had a little three-point range as well. Um, and I I just loved watching him play. Kind of like Julius Randle plays uh, right now is, is the way that Zach Randolph played. You need to, um, Steven, when you do that, you need to say, but better than, because if you're... <laughs> Oh no, Zach Randolph was better. Okay, <laughs> because he's, like the comparisons you've been making were like, yeah, kind of like Al Horford, which I know well, you're just being like, if anyone's watching the NBA right now, they would like, <laughs> they might know who Al Horford is. Um, yeah, Zach Randolph, Zach Randolph um, uh, was a double double machine with usually with points and rebounds. He would get scoring double figures. He was a like a regular, you know, 20 and 10 or 15 rebounds, you know, uh, kind of guy at night. He, he, uh, and like I said, could score, um, really well, um, and was, was actually super dominant in his prime. Um, he just wasn't fortunate enough to win a championship in his prime, but he was on some really good teams and uh, um, was a huge reason why those teams were good for all the reasons I just listed. And when I talk about uh, when I compare players to other players, uh, at least in this episode, when I'm comparing players to other players, like, like I'm doing, um, I mean, uh style of play in terms of play style yeah so my counterpoint for zach randolph is going to be what you just said not a whole lot of success but i'm going to give him the alex skinner what if pass what if his career was just slightly different in the teams that he was on i could see him being the second best player on a championship team he unfortunately was always kind of a focal point um, so he got in trouble with the trailblazers because he, um, he didn't get to play with what's his name, Brandon Roy. Yeah. And then Brandon, Roy, even if he got to got injured, he goes to the Knicks, doesn't get to play with Mello, goes to the Clippers, the Clippers in 2008, 2009 suck. Then he goes to the Grizzlies after Pau Gasol leaves and not like, I mean, who, who's he playing with Conley? So it's Conley Mark, and Randolph, you know, and Mark Gasol. Oh yeah. And Mark. So yeah, he could have, that. that's probably the only place where he really had a shot. I'm giving him the what if pass didn't make my list, but I could have seen him being a much better player if he was around different type of talent. Right. Right. If, if he had had, uh, he was on some really solid, really good teams, particularly some really good defensive teams uh, and usually teams that like to pound the ball inside to him. You know, um, but um, like you said, he just wasn't wasn't uh, fortunate enough to to win a championship, but he was really good uh, in his prime. All right. Moving on to my number 94. Artist Gilmore. Oh, yeah. ABA champion, ABA most valuable player, as we know. All things in the ABA only count as half because it's not a real league. But you know, I'm, to- I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, but, like- but even but the fun thing was, even if you do cut everything in half because of the ABA, he still had a really great career. Seven foot two, the big old rebounding man from uh, playing for the Chicago Bulls and having a lot of great success. Yeah. Artist Gilmore. I, I don't think like he's one of those people who. Um, I think you could tell the the story of the league without him because he played in the ABA, like no offense once again, but he's going to be someone who over the next 20 years is going to fall off of my list. So just want to give him a shout out for all of the success he had in the seventies. Congrats. Right. In the seventies, you can argue, 
you could make a very good argument that he was the best uh, man. center of the 70s. Him, Chamberlain, and Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. 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 Who's your, uh, who's your 94, Stephen? Okay, my 94, my favorite player. Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman. Wow. So, wow. Wow. Okay. He's way higher on my list, but kudos to, to Dennis making it. He is, he does. He will make an appearance in one of the next two episodes is all I'll say. He at least made my list, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and once again, Steven, you didn't rank him, but I also have a feeling like, even though you didn't rank him, you haven't mentioned Michael Jordan yet. So in a way you do kind of it kind of ranked, right? Sort of. Yeah. Like, but like, not like really. general feelish area of like, yeah, you know, you're not a top 50 player. You're not a top 75 player, but you're somewhere in there. Right. But, but like I said, I kind of did rapid fire just thinking of players, you know. So. Okay, cool. So I didn't I didn't I, I tried to just do it somewhat rapid fire style. Yep, for sure. Uh, but I've got Dennis Rodman. Um, Dennis Rodman, of course, we've talked a lot about on the on this podcast. Um, also, uh, just want to point out he made that <laughs> he made your all time starting five, didn't he? Yes, <laughs> and he does he, at ninety four. Dennis Rodman, <laughs> I love Dennis Rodman. No, I, I'm just surprised he's not higher on your list. Well, even I, though you didn't, even though you didn't rank it, I'm still surprised he's not like top fifty. Yeah. Well. Uh, so I've got Dennis Rodman, uh, you know, um, everybody knows is one of the best rebounders ever. Um, uh, probably top, not probably for me, he's, he's top three easily as a rebounder. In my opinion, I would say he's the best rebounder ever. Um, but uh, you know, Dennis Rodman um, uh, could defend multiple positions. He's got five championship rings. Um, he he led the league in rebounds multiple times. Uh, one year, he averaged 18 rebounds a game for the Pistons. Um, I believe that was in 1993. Um, he uh, was a little crazy. Um, Understatement of the day. Keep going. Yeah, he he was a little he was a little crazy. Um, you know, um, but he he you know he he could get himself thrown out of the game because he would he was a hothead, but dang, he could play some basketball, you know, if he could manage to stay on the court and not kick cameramen and stuff. Um, uh, but he, he was really fun to watch. Um, and like, you know, fat chance you're going to out rebound him. Um, and, and then he's going to give you the business as a defender, you know, because he could de- he he legitimately could defend all five positions, um, and uh, that is is not as rare now. But when he played, it was super rare that you had a player that could guard five positions. You know, um, uh, so yeah. Um, Rodman's my. Uh... Rodman's perfect segue into my number 93, one of Dennis Rodman's teammates on the bad boy Pistons. I would say the second most important person on that team. Dumars. Joe Dumars. Ah, I got it. Yeah. Yep. Two-time NBA champion finals MVP. One of those years that I didn't even realize. I always just thought Isaiah Thomas and then had a really great career. And anytime I see you make an all NBA team, and an all NBA defensive team, I just have to automatically consider you for one of being one of the greats of all time. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. And consider also consider the fact that on the bad boys, he was, um, 
their Jordan stopper. Not yep. that there was a Jordan stopper, but you know, he was the guy that they sicked on Jordan. And seeing all that and seeing all that success as a six foot three guard. Uh, and then you're playing with Isaiah Thomas, who's a five eleven guard. Like it's very impressive that their their guard core was as short as it was and was able to be as impactful as it was. So at my spot 93, Joe Dumars, congratulations. Um, you're probably going to hold that spot. Like you're going to be in the 90s for probably the next 20 years, but uh, give it another 30. You might be bounced out of there, my friend. Who's your number 93, Stephen? Uh, my number 93 is Gilbert Arenas. Ooh, I almost put him on in my, uh, t- in my uh, whatchamacallit. He, was, uh, he almost took David Bing's spot. <laughs> oh yeah um so uh gilbert arenas um was uh a um known gun toting no just kidding <laughs> what oh gun toting um uh i've actually heard him tell the story about the guns and everything and but um uh yeah he was um at times he was kind of an idiot, uh, like right after the gun incident in there, uh, he, he, um, like was, was coming out being introduced before a game and he came out and, and made his finger into guns, his fingers and was like sh- fake shooting it into the air, like making a joke out of the gun incident. But uh, but he was a really talented player. Um, they called him the hibachi because he would heat up, you know, um, uh, like crazy. Um, he's he's actually what um, uh, was a great scoring guard at that time was one of the, the rare point guards at, at the time that he played, which was like early two thousands that actually um, was more of a scorer. Um, And uh, he, he had had serious range uh, when he played. Um, this is a guy that was shooting from, you know, uh, way back like they do now, but doing it then, you know, with, with less efficiency, but still was super effective because nobody else was as good as he was at shooting from the distance that he shot, you know, threes. And, um, so, um, he was, he was awesome. Um, and apparently he wore the number zero, uh, I heard, because that's how many minutes a lot of people said he was going to get uh, in the NBA. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and his his nickname is Agent Zero. Yep. So the reason I had to keep him off of my list was he was a shooting star. And what I mean by that was he burned out really quick. Three seasons, just like a really bright light, and then he was gone. Um, he, he made averaged, a lot of money. Yeah, well, I know, I know. Every everyone on our list, except for uh, anyone in the seventies and eighties, made a lot of money. Um, I, I, I just, I'm just saying, like uh, Gilbert Arenas wasn't even. I just want to point out, he wasn't even playing for years, and he just a few years ago was stopped getting his. He got his, his last checks. installment of what he was owed uh, on, on his big fat hundred something million dollar contract. Right. Um, They, they just, he just in the last few past few years got his last installment of it. So Gilbert Arenas was good enough. That's that, you know, the team he was on gave him a big giant uh, contract. Yeah, so it was those three years, 2004 through 2007, where he was amazing, three-time All-Star during that time. The The other thing, too, was in his 12-year career, he averaged 46 games per year. Um, That's really, kind of low. Yeah, just really, essentially, after 
06, 07, didn't play much over 50 in any of those games. And then also, obviously he had the gun suspension that I believe put him out for an entire year, if not longer, um, which did yeah, a long time, which didn't help, but either way, he was a consideration on my list, uh, but didn't make it for the reasons that I outlined there. Awesome. Fun to watch. Um, and uh, honestly, that was when we were probably watching basketball the most while we were in high school. So yeah, I think yeah. that's why I have such a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, I'll skip my number 92 because you guys already know who my number 92 is. And we already talked about him, John Morant. So I'll kick it over back to Steven for who your number 92 is. Okay. My number 92 is a guy that I kind of can't stand, but uh, James Harden, just kidding. Keep going. Kyrie Irving. Ooh, Kyrie. Okay. Okay. Kyrie Irving has some of the best handles ever. We all know he's a great scorer. Um, uh, you know, can can shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, you know, uh, actually a really good all-around player. Um, he's just not that big and not that tall, but he's really skilled, you know, and 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 uh, one of the most gifted ball handlers. Uh, who has ever played the game, hands down. Yeah, so with, I wanted to include Kyrie on my list, but he's one of those, he could either be like spot 50, spot 40 in the all-time 100, or he could be really, really far off of the list. The person I thought of including him over was Trey Young, but I just feel like Trey Young, he's younger, he has more time, so I didn't include Kyrie, just expecting him to do a lot more Kyrie stuff where it's just the potential was unrealized. Right. Right. Which is sad. Almost like almost Gilbert arenas esque in the sense where it's like, you were awesome for about three years. And then if we don't you know, weren't, we don't know what happened. Kyrie. It's, it's a similar situation where it's like, if you weren't such a dumbass, you would be better. Yeah. And the problem is he's turning 30 this year. So maybe he's going to be one of those point guards who can play another 10 years. Or maybe he's going to be one of those point guards who injury starts to catch up to him. But you know what? He hasn't been playing that much. So maybe he'll be able to play another seven to 10 years. Yeah, I think he's skilled enough. He could play like five more years, you know. And then my uh, last one for today. So we're going 191. And the next episode will be 90 to 81. Is This was a weird one. Um, Russell Westbrook. He's the lowest ranked MVP, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I just think we are seeing why Russell Westbrook isn't good this year on the Lakers. Why he wasn't ever like, sorry, once again, want to make sure that we're defining things correctly. Just by the fact of him being in the NBA means he's amazing at basketball. What I mean by is his stats are not indicative of how talented he actually is as a player. So all those triple doubles, when he was playing with the, when he was playing with Oklahoma City, awesome. Turns out Kevin Durant was carrying that entire team. Was Russell, Russell Westbrook was actually probably a detriment to that team, detriment. And now we're seeing him. Uh, he also played with Paul George too. Like he's had great players playing with him, and he's yeah. never been able to reach the mountaintop. Now he's playing with LeBron and AD. Granted, AD's been injured, and we've seen just an implosion of that team. I think that what I've seen from Westbrook um, uh, since since he stopped playing with Kevin Durant, what I have realized about him is that he doesn't make his teammates better. Yep. He makes himself better. Correct. Yep. And I don't think I have anything else to say about Russell Westbrook. I have, I don't think you can tell the history of the NBA without him. Like the triple double numbers are insane. And people are going to remember those three straight years. I believe it was averaging a triple double. That's crazy. But it turns out those stats may have been inflated because he was just essentially trying to be a 2k, like a 2k create a player. Um, so he could fall off my list eventually, um, and likely will, especially over the next 30 to 50 years, probably isn't going to be on there anymore, but spot 91, Russell Westbrook. So who's your last player for today, Steven? Okay. My last player is Sam Jones. 
Ah, oh, man, that's a good, like good placement. Sam Jones is higher on my list, but I think I need to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. On the list. Yeah. Like I like, it's hard. Like there's some players that I have on here that I'm, you know what? I know where I'm going to put them. There's always going to be the snubs, I guess, you know, yeah. we're good. You go, go uh, why, why Sam Jones? Okay. Sam Jones um, was, was one of the early great scorers in the history of the NBA. He was, he had a, a, a his bank shot was automatic, you know, um, he had a great uh, bank shot. He has a bunch of rings. I can't remember how many he was ten. on. He has 10 NBA ten. championships. Yeah, 10. And uh, so, you know, damn, that's a lot. And uh, he uh, um, is, is what he was one of the best um, offensive weapons on those uh Bill Russell Boston Celtics championship teams um and uh uh so that's why I have Sam Jones on this list yeah so, yeah, I, yeah I, I'll probably include him in our next episode if I'm being honest not really stoked on his he's a five-time NBA all-star on a team that had Bill Russell John Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, Tommy Heinsohn. Like once again, the the talent was very saturated during this time. So it's hard for me to like try to pick out like were you really good or were you just really lucky uh, to like well, end up on I, the Celtics. From everything that I've read about Sam Jones, um, he was, uh, you know, one of the early great scorers. So definitely someone who you can't tell the story of the NBA without him being included there. And, uh, you know, recently died here a few months ago. So I'm feeling a little bit sentimental. He'll probably be in uh, our next episode on uh, the top, the top uh, 100 players when we count down going from 90 to 81. Real quick, last question I have for you. This is not related to our list, Stephen. This is more related to the NBA's 75th anniversary team. I think we talked about this a little bit. Just what were your thoughts on the fact that they automatically included anyone on the top 50 list in the top 75 list? Doesn't that seem incorrect? Like you should almost start from scratch from the list because there's some people on there. I'm like, Bill Walton, congratulations what you did at UCLA. You can tell the story of the NBA without Bill Walton. I know the port that one Portland Portland year was great or whatever, but like, I'm not entirely sure why he made the list. He, um, but remember, my my question isn't necessarily about Bill Walton. My question to you is: Should they have just included the top 50 from 1996 into this top 75? Um, I don't. I wouldn't have done it that way. The way I would have done it is think about who are really the best 75 players, not just add 25 players onto the 50 already. Cause there are players that have come into the league since that 50 greatest 50 players of all time list was made in 96 that far surpass uh, some of those players on that list as, as players, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, I I would have done it that way. Think about who who really are the top seventy five. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to just wanted to finish off the podcast to make sure we were aligned there because I think that's going to help me better understand your list moving forward. It seems like there's a lot less sentimentality in your list and more a lot of who was good and who wasn't, which I appreciate. Yeah, I I try to be objective. You know. Hey, well, the next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope you give it a listen. Please don't take us too seriously. We hope you stay for a while. Give us one more chance to change your mind.